0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: Space. The final
2: frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its continuing mission. To explore strange new worlds.
1: To go where no man has gone before. Engage!
2: Enterprise, Enterprise. This is Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Captain Jane Captain Sisko. Red Alert. Photon <laughs> Torpedoes. Fire. The official Star Trek podcast. Engage. Engage. Make it so. With your host, Jordan Hoffman. That, sir, is illogical. And to make sure, history never forgets. This is Engage. Hailing frequencies open, sir.
0: Hello, hello, hello. Engage, the official Star Trek podcast. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. I don't know what time you're listening to this, but uh, I'm going with um, two o'clock. I think it's two o'clock wherever you are. Welcome to another episode of Engage. My name is Jordan Hoffman, and uh, we got a great show for you today. Um, we uh, it's still being August. We're about to roll into, into September. We've got the last of some pre-recorded interviews from the Star Trek Las Vegas convention from earlier this month, and we've got two uh, fantastic interviews heading your way. We spoke with a woman by the name of Sarah Gatos from San Diego, California, and she, as you will soon learn, is um, one of the most important figures in the star trek mythos today she is the admiral (laughs) she is uh in charge of the star trek um comic books uh in all forms uh she is the woman behind uh all the creative aspects of that keeping all the trains running and she's a very interesting and specific job and um is perhaps more influential than you may think, at least um, in terms of the uh, Kelvin timeline films. A lot of what we, some of the specifics that we love about the third film especially, um, has uh, kind of emerged from the uh, world of the comics. So you're going to hear all about that with her and also get a nice preview of things to come in Star Trek comics. Uh, So that is a nifty interview. And then we also spoke to Michael Dorn, to Worf, the mighty son of Moog from the house of Martok, uh, a man that doesn't need much introduction. We kind of peeled him away. Uh, he was in the uh, the vendor's room. They were. He was kind of sitting at his booth and he was signing pictures of himself and he was wondering when it was time for lunch. And I said, uh, hey, Michael, because uh, I had met him once before. So do you want to come on and engage the official Star Trek podcast? And his answer was, uh, "I want to have lunch." And I said, "You can eat lunch while we while we talk." Great. So, uh, <laughs> so he went and uh, went into the other little room and did a little chat. Um, in other news, oh, in other news, my battery's about to die on this thing. Oh God! All right, I better make this quick because I don't know what happens if the battery dies in the middle while I'm talking. Ah, oh, engage listeners. Ugh. All right, don't go anywhere. And we're back. Okay. Uh, you know when I'm not in Deck 44, on, uh, on Deck 44, and the next interview you hear on Engage, the official Star Trek podcast, was recorded uh, on Deck 44, our main uh, battle bridge. Um, the uh, I use this little uh, portable doohickey, which is fine, but it just is a monster with batteries. There's probably a way to plug it in to the wall, uh, but I can't figure it out. Uh, but it just destroy AA batteries like it, you know you know you, you, nowadays you know like like think think of like your television remote control how often do you change the AA batteries in that probably every 18 months right they AA batteries seem to work a long time on the things that you need to use them for but this thing it just destroys AA batteries i don't know what's going on so um I'm, um, you know, I, I'm always, uh, it's always a mess. Anyway, so that's what's happening in the uh, intermix chamber of my uh, dilithium crystal container and containment unit. I was telling you that, uh, yes, so we got Michael Dorn coming up in a minute, Sarah Gatos coming up in a minute. Great stuff that you were going to enjoy listening to. But before we get to that, I wanted to go back in the mailbag. You know, you can contact me whenever you wish. Here at Engage, the official Star Trek podcast, either through Facebook, facebook.com slash Engage, the official Star Trek podcast, or via Twitter at at Jay Hoffman, which is me, H-O-F-F-M-A-N. You know, Hoffman's one of those last names you can spell four ways. Some people do it uh, with two F's and two N's, which is the German way. And then you could do it with two Fs and one N, which is how I do it. And then I guess in theory you could also do it with one F and one N, although I've actually never really seen that. Or one F and two Ns, right? Did I get that all four? Well, there's four different ways. So uh, I am H-O-F-F-M-A-N. All right, so make that happen, which is the most common way anyway. So, you know, you'll figure it out. We had a couple of interesting things in the mail bag this week that I wanted to bring up. You know, the most common thing I get, the most common comment, other than, uh, you know, we love the show, or the occasional we hate the show, the most common is, uh, what's going on, why is Archer not in the opening theme? Which is true. The opening theme to engage the official Star Trek podcast, you get to hear a little Captain Kirk, you get to hear a little Picard, you get to hear mostly those two guys, but you get a quick... How do you do from uh, Captain Janeway? And then you get an even quicker how do you do from Captain Cisco. But you don't hear squat from Captain Archer. And to be honest, uh, I don't like that either. And it's going to change. What, what I've decided is to do, you know, I didn't make the opening. And, um, you know, the guys who did, uh, they, they did a, a good job. And they, uh, you know, they did it on their own free time. And I don't want to, uh pester them too much um because it took a little work to get going and it happened all very quickly and i think it sounds fun i think it sounds ridiculous you know it's kind of over the top but it's fun so what we're gonna do is we're gonna change it i haven't asked i haven't officially asked them yet but uh i i'm planning to ask them to change it when we have some audio from the new show star trek discovery which is coming up in january I figured that that would be a good opportunity. Uh, you know, we'd have been doing the show at that point for six months. That seems like a nice a nice uh, window of opportunity to, to put in a favor with the engineering team here at the Play.It uh, organization and say, Hey, maybe we can revisit the opening theme now that we have some new audio from whoever our new lead is, not the captain. Whoever number one is, right? That's the next, the new rumor that we heard is that the character is called number one, but it may not be the number one we know from the cage, or maybe it is. I don't know. So I think that's, uh so, you know, stay, stay tuned, hold your horses, keep your uh, thrusters on impulse power. We'll make a change in January. Um, and also, you know what, Enterprise... Don't push it, you know? We talk about Enterprise a lot. We love you, but maybe you're not in the opening theme. It's not so bad. So the two um, letters of note that I wanted to bring up. I mentioned on the last show that we seem to be huge in Sweden. They love Engage, the official Star Trek podcast in Sweden. And since then, I've gotten contacted by another uh, two uh, listeners from over there, which brings us to, I think, six... But I threw down the gauntlet and I said, "Hey, what's going on, Norway? How come nothing from you guys?" And um, I heard back from a Norwegian listener, and what she said was fascinating. I think you'll get a kick out of this because uh, she is aware. I mean, nor I mean, I'm joking. Norway and Sweden are just you know they happen. They're just two countries near each other. But in my head, they they have a what I considered to be a I would imagine a fairly uh, similar culture i mean i hope that's not an offensive statement to say that norway and sweden are neighbors and you know there tends to be some overlap in in what's popular in one country and the other i mean i am aware that norwegian and swedish are two different languages but neither of them are english and the show star trek is in english so clearly it could have been translated into both Anyway, let's hear what a woman by the name of Raja Raja Renate Gunnarsson writes to me. Uh, Raja writes, uh, Hey, Norwegian listener reporting to thank you for yet another great episode. Um, uh, blah, 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 blah. I especially love the interview you did with Connor Trenier and uh, Dominic Keating. So there, some more Enterprise love. Everybody loves Enterprise. Blah, 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 blah. Thank you for brightening my day. Um. Wait. Oh, oh boy. That was the wrong. <laughs> Woo. That was for the follow-up. Actually, I never read that. <laughs> I'm just reading that for the first time. It's a follow-up email. Okay. I've been in conversation with Roger. She's been writing back and forth. What she did write originally, and this is lengthier. I'm not going to read the whole thing. What she basically said is that there are very few Norwegian Star Trek fans that I've hit upon something. Which I didn't know. Um, As a Norwegian woman that has spent years at mostly UK conventions, uh, I've made a few interesting observations. Take, for example, in Norway, it's not at all normal to be a Trekkie. Or even just a Star Trek fan. We've got plenty of sci-fi and Star Wars, but not much for Trek. And then she goes on to say that when she goes to conventions in the UK... She'll hear a ton of Swedish. And um, I might hear two or three Norwegian voices, but I'll hear a ton of Swedish. Weird, though quite different. We're pretty much the same kind of country, and we share a border throughout most of the country. You'd think it would be similar. So it's kind of more normal to be a Trekkie in Sweden. And from my Swedish friends, I get the impression they have the same kind of stigma I see in the UK, too. All right. Well, I don't know much about stigma uh, with Star Trek in the U.S. That's kind of gone. That was my lifetime growing up in the '80s and '90s. If you were a Star Trek fan, you were, you know, it was uh, you had to keep that keep that in the closet to a certain degree. So anyway, that is the big um, ethnographic news from the day. You can take it home. You learned something here on Engage Official Star Trek Podcast. Sweden and Norway, um, you know, similar cultures share a border. Uh, in one country, Star Trek is king in another country it's not so congratulations that's the news Now the other big news comes from a listener that contacted me via Twitter who goes by the handle of he goes by the handle of Joe uh, his name is Joe Keegan Joey Joe 77 UK. <laughs> i love twitter names joey joe 77 uk did the thing that i was really hoping somebody would do and i was kind of kidding but in the back of my head i'm going oh i hope somebody does it joey joe 77 uk you are the best you really are if you recall a few weeks ago we um broadcast an interview i did with robert picardo bob as i like to call him from the convention and we were goofing around and we were talking about people dressed as the doctor. and we were in a merch room where there was a lot of toys, right? They had a, and I poked over to the, to the wall and I said, I bet you somewhere in packaging there is, is the doctor." He said, yeah, "St probably." And I you know and I, at some, anyway, it led to me saying, how many times do you think you've said the phrase, "Please state the nature of the medical emergency?" And he said, oh, God, it had to be, you know, he, he almost, you know, white as a ghost because that phrase probably f- freaks him out. And he's like, hundreds, 128 times. I'm like, no, 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 it's less than that. It's got to be. But, you know, because you did multiple takes and, you know, uh, you know, when you're shooting a TV or film, you know, you, you say a line 100 times and it's only used once. And then sometimes it's cut out. So he scaled it down. I think he said 60 something. I said, listen, somebody, some listener is going to go and somehow find out uh, how many times <laughs> you said it. So I don't know what Joey Joe 77 UK's methodology is. And to uh, to a degree, so this has not been peer-reviewed. So this will not hold up in a court of law. So, uh, but nevertheless, Joey Joe 77 UK states, the doctor says, please state the nature of the medical emergency 28 times. And then he goes on to say that the line was said five more times. Twice by Paris, once by seven of nine, and twice by, as he calls it, EMH two. And I asked him if Lewis Zimmerman ever said it, he said no. So there you go. Uh, Picardo twenty eight plus another five, two Paris one seven nine, and two by EMH two. And there you go. I feel fulfilled it sounds about right, too. cause in her head, it's a million times, but twenty eights still a lot, you know uh, for and of course, he also said it in um in the movie, right? in one of the movies, first contact. Uh, I'm imagining that that's bundled into that twenty eight. Okay, cool. That's what's going on. Thanks. The mailbag is my, was a lot of fun. Please feel free to email me at jhoffman555 at gmail hit me up over twitter at @jhoffman, j hoffman or you just ping me via facebook uh you could you could put something on the wall if you want everybody to see if you want it to be more private uh you can you can message me via facebook i try to read us i read all of them uh i don't do it every day and in fact i'm looking now i just went to the page right now and there's a bunch of bunch of mail that i haven't read yet so that might lead to some cool stuff next week but until then we're going to speak now to uh sarah gatos uh but before her we're going to speak to michael Dorn. we got some cool stuff coming up next week also this week uh the week before labor day is actually a packed week we got a special interview that we're bundling uh that's going to go live in a couple of days but um all, all of these episodes live forever in the archive you know i get people coming up to me and saying oh i just listened to and that was something that we recorded a month ago so i like that Something that happens now does not have to be specifically about the now, man. Time capsule. Relics, right? Okay. Let's uh, beam back, though, a few months, a few months, a few weeks to Las Vegas and hear what Michael Dorn has to say.
2: Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more.
1: Play it at play.it.
2: This is Engage, Engage. the official Star Trek podcast.
0: Okay, so we are recording and we have just a moment here to chat. I could not let the uh, convention go without speaking to. Arguably my favorite character in the entire franchise, the mighty son of Moog himself, Worf, also known as Michael Dorn. He is a real person. Yes, he is. Beneath the makeup. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's great is that uh, because of the makeup, you can still, even at a Star Trek convention as I just did with you, walk down the hall and people don't always recognize you. A few did.
1: Yeah. but I, I think they... They do double takes and triple takes.
0: Right, because they're not 100% sure. Not 100% short. I think that's Dorn. I'm not 100% that's Dorn. I also see that you stole Brent Spiner's
1: lunch. No, I did not <laughs> steal it. In fact, I asked him several times, are you sure that it's okay? And he says, no, no, go, take it, take it, take it. Okay. And, you know, he and I are both um, healthy eaters. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little more... Hardcore than he is, but he's a very healthy eater, too. So.
0: so you figured if it was good enough for him, it would be okay? And, the,
1: and he knows my, my predilection for Your, for, your regimens. For vegan, and, yeah.
0: Okay, because there is a plastic uh, shell casing here of some sort of sandwich, and it does have in marker the word Brent on it. So. Yes,
1: it's a plastic uh, container with, well, now a three-quarter eaten <laughs> uh, veggie, uh, vegan spring roll. Yeah. It's very funny. I, I have a, a dear friend who's a comedian, really great guy, and uh, he gives me so much. And because he's very funny, yeah, you know, you can't help but laugh. And, and so we were at a restaurant that had these kind of spring rolls. Uh-huh. And I said, hey, look, you know, you've got to try this. But you've got to use this, the sauce or else you, you won't like it. So he did the sauce and he ate it and he was chewing you know, he says, it's like eating a party favor. <laughs> And so so
0: you, you are an advocate for healthy eating and for yeah. veganism but you you still co-mingle with non-vegans. If a guy <laughs> eats eats you know ribs and I find that eating ribs is the most carnivorous thing you can do cuz it's you can actually see the bone right there. Mm-hmm. You're not going to dismiss that person. You're going to let them do their thing. But oh you,
1: yeah, no. And and I don't I'm not a I'm not a, a you know one of those people. In fact, I don't a lot of comedians, a lot of people who talk about it say that vegans are very pushy and all that. And I don't know any pushy vegans. Mm. We basically go, we eat what we eat. If people ask us about our lifestyle, sure. then sure. we'll say, well, this is the thing. And they'll say, well, what about that? And you say, well, this is this. And we don't, But we don't go into a restaurant and, you know, and start you know,
0: right. shooting people. because it's a, <laughs> it's a stereotype. It's like people have stereotypes against Star Trek fans. Okay. They think they're one way, and maybe one or two of them are, oh, yeah. but most of them are not. Yeah. I, I just saw you a moment ago in in the in the room where you were uh, signing things and interacting with fans, mm-hmm. and I couldn't quite hear exactly what the woman said. But woman said, as like oh, I was having a really really bad day yesterday, and the fact that you were on the panel turned my day around." Mm-hmm. Um, that's got to be incredibly gratifying for you. I
1: mean, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. I, and I and I don't know why. I asked. I kind of asked her why. Yeah. but she didn't. She said, eh, well, that's been you know so. So obviously it was a personal thing, but um, but you know those type of things happen occasionally, not all the time, but occasionally. Yeah. You know they they look at us and kind of go, God, it's really you know interesting. Or yeah. if you happen to be a nice guy to them, it's really important. Yeah. You know. Well,
0: fa- fans imprint themselves on the characters, and they yeah. you know we know that the character and the actor are two different people, but it's always nice to mm-hmm. to get. I mean, an actor, for someone who did a show for... Well, you did more than seven years. You did longer than anybody for 11 years, 11 years altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't do that character day by day and completely fake it. No. A lot of warf has to come from you. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, so, in, so when somebody really... Loves Worf. Uh, clearly, they're going to want to come up to you and yeah. you, and yeah. give you give you a hug, mm-hmm. even if you don't want to be hugged at the moment. At the moment. But we're, so we're talking a little bit about people's misunderstanding of things. What are some things about the Klingon culture that you think uh, uh, people may not understand? You know, uh, you know, few people would understand the richness of Klingon culture more than you, who had to live with it for eleven seasons of television.
1: Well, the the, it's a good question, but it's a question that uh, doesn't really have a particular answer because, or it has a very kind of um, strange answer because the the richness of the culture is something that kind of developed over the years. Yeah, yeah. Um, there wasn't that richness of a culture. There was a little bit in Next Generation, but then it really blossomed in Deep Space Nine, and so it became like a like a progression of oh, we discovered this, we discovered that, we discovered that, we discovered that, as an audience. And as actors, we're discovering that, too, with the audience, because we don't, you know, we hardly know what what the writers are going to write. Sure, sure. So, uh, but I think that the the culture began um, with the original. It took on a different, you know, we found out more about it in The Next Generation, Mm. and then we really found out about it quite a bit in Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Uh, but there's not really anything that that is hidden about the culture. The only thing that I would say that's one of the things that that was not shown or not discussed or not you know written about is is when in Next Generation we wanted to change the culture so it was more Japanese samurai, Asian mm-hmm. yeah. Asian influence. You know the kind of you know yin and yang and, yeah. and all these things because. Up, up until that point, up until the first season of Next Generation, all the Klingons were just these wild, out of control, death-dealing. You right, know. they
0: were just baddies, yeah. But and they, they were baddies, they were
1: yeah. they were they were one-dimensional baddies. Right, right, right. And so, um, from from the first season of Next Generation, you know, they were you know, my character was screaming and yelling, and you know, and kind of. Out of, not out of control, but in his fights and in his sure. sort of like, you know, those conflicts, he's out of control. Like, argh, he's double-handed fist is is all they ever did. And I just said, you know, it, it doesn't, you know, can I do this to Gene Roddenberry? Yeah. And he said, sure, you know, just make the character. So I got together with a, um, a special effects supervisor, Dan Curry, who is a martial arts expert, and we created all this this sort of playing On martial arts, and that's the only thing that's that is really people don't know is that where that's where all that stuff came from. Yeah, yeah. And with, I think that the writers were great, and they took off on that. They
0: played from that. They saw what you were doing totally, and said, totally. "Oh, that's we're going to follow that lead." Let's and go, go with that. It. Yeah. You know,
1: and they and they created. I mean, I had nothing to do with the creation of the universe that they did. I mean, it was it was beautiful what they did. Yeah. Really beautiful.
0: Um, it's funny that you mentioned, and certainly there are one-to-one comparisons with Japanese culture, but just mm-hmm. this morning when I was hosting the uh, One Trek Mind panel where we do fan interaction, and we were talking about the Klingons, there was a person who came up who uh, was Middle Eastern. Mm-hmm. And he said uh, the Klingons meant a lot to him because he saw Middle Eastern representation mm-hmm. uh, in in, in the culture, which, um, you know, I, I I had never really dwelt on it like that, but uh, clearly he saw that. So mm-hmm. I think that's what's great is that it is, um, you can project things onto it and, and you know, it bounces back what what may resonate with you more exactly. than other things. Exactly. Well,
1: I mean, I think that, uh, you know, for me, the Klingons were the Russians.
0: In the original series? Yeah.
1: Sure. I yeah. thought they were the the Russians in this series too, in our series, because they um, although i mean i'm just saying they represented so the Union.
0: yeah the, the cuz the collapse of the i got to remember 87 was when the first Yeah and, went, and it yeah. was
1: it was you know of course you know our show didn't precipitate the collapse of you know
0: <laughs> it but, certainly did and star trek 6 did too the, Yeah the colla- but, but i think Praxis, it, yeah. but it
1: was it was basically the idea that, that cultures cannot continue um, and i think that um, for me it was the russian you know it represented the Russian culture. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but then it became, because of, you know, the Internet and, you know, the information world, that we see that it really was about a lot of cultures. Yeah. It really was a lot of superpowers and a lot of all this stuff that's it's not just the Russians. And so I think that's why uh, when you put a show out there like this, you know, you're not going towards any particular, you know, Race or any yeah. particular society, you're just saying this is what's happening in our culture, and people will draw all that stuff from it. In,
0: in your own head, do you differentiate between your work on Next Generation and Deep Space Nine and and the films even that you were in, or is it just one thing to you?
1: It was one thing. Yeah, it was one thing. With just different.
0: Some days you were playing off of. And Now uh, visitor and some days you're playing off of Patrick Stewart, and that's: Well, what's... the
1: thing is that you know as an actor you're you're, you're loving your work because're they you know'm Deep Space Nine, uh, more than next generation, had a whole cast of fabulous actors. yeah you know not, and I'm not saying that we weren't good, but these actors were established like. Actors. And people, oh, yeah. and you know, uh, Armin Shimmerman and Nana was on Broadway, and you know, I mean, she was a Broadway baby, and and of course Avery, and um, and although Sadig was brand new, you know, yeah. I mean, these were all like sort of, you know, so it was a joy to work with them, but the character was just basically I was playing Wharf, right. and Wharf all the way through both next generation and it was just Worf dealing with these people yeah and how he dealt with those people yeah you know, you know I, um online
0: uh people who spent waste time at work and they should be working but they're online wasting time on twitter or on tumblr and whatnot a, a Worf as a meme i mean all of star trek as a meme but Worf particularly is just not going away when people want to shorthand email their buddy back or if they're dealing with work on slack or whatever mm-hmm. pictures of Worf in you know in the episode uh when you're in the Sherwood forest that one yeah. comes up a lot sure uh-huh. <laughs> i mean i just wondered how, how aware you are of of Wharf as a meme uh oh, online i mean
1: oh yeah i mean yeah. It, before before all of those things they were you know naming you know their pets you know or they were doing you know, wharf voices, you know, for, yeah. for, 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 um, uh, answering machines and stuff like that. Sure, sure. So now it was a natural progression. I mean, you
0: have be. a very deep voice, Yeah. but yeah. wharf's voice is a little deeper than your natural speaking. Voice. Oh yeah. A lot deeper. Uh, you yeah. would, you would do a wharf voice basically. Mm-hmm. How, how low can you go? Have you ever, did you ever do a barbershop and sing the bass no. line? In a... No,
1: no, I never did. I was, I was, I was in a rock and roll for many years, played yeah. bass guitar and sang in, in rock bands for many yeah. years, but, you know, it was and it was such a non issue when we uh when we try to come up with what voice Worf was gonna have. Yeah. I mean if you look at the first two episodes, uh first two or three episodes, two three? Something like that. Anyway, uh my voice is like this. Mm. And then uh Gene came to me one day and said, Hey look, Michael, we gotta do something about your voice. I said, What do you mean? He says, Well, it's too American. And I go, mm-hmm. Oh, okay, well, and I went away uh, for like a day or so, and then I he showed up on the set one day. I said, look, I want to you know, run these voices by yeah. you. And I did a, like three or four voices. And when I did the war voice, he goes, that's it.
0: No joke, really. Said,
1: and so I said, okay, and that's how, that's what I, how it happened.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. cool. Well, listen, before I let you go, real quick, a couple of weeks ago you were in San Diego. Yes. And you were, you know, this whole year is a victory lap for Star Trek, 50 years. Mm-hmm. But they had a special event in Hall H, 6,500 people in there. I don't know if you were aware how many people were in there. Oh, but yes, yes, I did. 6,500 people, and it was you, uh, and it was, they had somebody from
1: each show. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, it was Mr. Brian Fuller's moderating Shatner um, Brent yeah Bakula yeah Jerry Ryan and another producer from the uh from the show.
0: Yeah. And you were sort of, you were there in a, as, as Deep Space Nine, even though Worf as we know transcends all and is even in the films and whatnot. <laughs> so um, uh, um, if you can talk a little bit about, about just that, I mean, you've done these conventions so many times, but to bring it outside of a Star Trek event, because sure. Comic-Con is a wider thing. Mm-hmm. It's really just pop culture is what it is. Yeah, And, yeah. and you're flying the flag for Star Trek. That, right. that must've
1: been a thrill. Well you know it was it was very interesting, I mean, on a lot of levels because I had a chance to talk to Brian Fuller, which is great and and he talked about his vision for the show, which I think is fabulous, really, really good, because yeah. uh, he's going back to Star Trek tackling issues, yeah which they which they can do um, and on one hand, it was you know really good to to you know, to be there and be part of it and be asked to do it, you know, which mm-hmm. was I thought was wonderful. Uh, but i got to tell you, the because it is pop culture, you don't get the concentration of, of Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, you know, Brent and I and, and Shatner both kind of looked at each other after halfway through it, kind of going... This group in here, you know, the audience, is not really about Star Trek. Yeah. It's pop culture. Yeah. So a lot of the references that we were making, a lot of the things we were talking about, really didn't land. <laughs>
0: right. You know? You're used to the crowds here in Vegas yeah. and in the well, other Star well, Trek conventions. Or,
1: yeah. Yeah, or, or even uh, the conventions where it's sci-fi conventions. Oh, I see. Yeah. Where the crowd goes, oh, Shatner, blah, 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 is in there, and they'll go into the hall and they want to listen to him. Yeah. Or, you know, there's Next Generation, so they'll go to that hall. Yeah. Uh, where that is, like you said, it's... It's pop culture. And also something about Hall H is that if you get a pass for Hall H, you don't have to leave after the panel. Right. So there's a lot of people in there that just stay in there. That's right. Because at the end of that day was the Marvel panel,
0: which is the big deal so people land grab. They get there at eight a.m. exactly, and they have a little restroom off to the side. And They got another guy selling nachos, and they stay in there and get no they natural light. All exactly, day.
1: and and there was because there was a, a, a bunch of people that um, that were wanted to get in there. Yeah, that I knew, and they couldn't get in there. They got they, there at nine o'clock and forget it. It's too late. You got to start
0: get there the night before. Exactly, it's a little screwy. It's a little screwy. So lately. so I
1: think that I think that that is that is about pop culture. Uh, the thing that I got out of it, like I said, was the idea. I, I had a chance to talk to Brian. Yeah. And uh, he was very, very forthcoming about his vision as he was in the panels and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, he, no, he spoke really And wrong. I think it was great. I think yeah. it was great. Well, you know, he was asked point blank
0: on a red carpet uh, prior to San Diego. He said, hey, what about the new show? Are we going to start seeing characters that we know and love from Star Trek? And he was very upfront. He said, at first, no. Season one, no. New characters. Season two... I forget the exact wording. It was I think it was either the word absolutely or you bet or 100%. But he said, yes, you know, season two, you're going to start seeing characters you love. Mm-hmm. You still have the Klingon ridges somewhere in your home. You've, you've well, got the... Well, you know, the... I don't
1: think... I, like I said, it's one of those things where every time that I leave Star Trek, I leave it for good. Yeah. You know, when when... Next Generation was over. I went, okay, that's it. Yeah. And, I, and they asked me back, and um, you know, the movies and all that stuff. So, you got to figure, the movies were over like in 2002. That was our last movie. So, you're talking about, you know, a lot of years. In 2002,
0: was the last time you, you were Worf. Not yeah. the last time you were a Klingon in a movie, technically.
1: Technically, but were, last time I was Worf. Last time you were Worf. You and were so, a make-believe Klingon in Ted yeah. 2. And so I, I think that, I think that um, you know, I, I'm always surprised in this business and it's always been, um, and I've discovered a way to, to make it work for me internally, mm. which is um, my, my lawyer, Ralph Weiss, who's also one of my dear friends, uh, when we were doing negotiations, we did a lot of negotiations over the years, mm-hmm. we had this plan or this formula, which is I tell them what I want and he doesn't talk to me. We don't discuss it. Mm. We see each other all the time cuz we flying buddies and all this yeah. type of stuff and lunches and hanging out, but we do not discuss anything that's happening until it's over and either he says, "Okay, you're going to work or you're not going to work." Oh, I see. And so I don't get caught up in all the all right. the discussions and stuff like that. And so that's how I like to that's how I like to deal with and you know these what? these and these questions yeah. uh, for myself which is you know, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And you know, it's one of those things where, you know, who knows? I mean, I every time I think about it, I just go into this thing of like, okay, don't think about it because it just right. You know. And so I just kind of let it alone. Well, the let way it,
0: that you do it, it, it seems to me almost like an honorable Klingon way. You know, not not n- not nitty gritty, not negotiating. You know, you know what a, you, a line, and you see what's going to happen.
1: See so. what's going to happen. You know, if if, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. If not. You know, life is great. You wake up every morning and yeah. you're just going, look at this, this is just fabulous. I mean, you've got to I mean, you're
0: certainly very busy. You're always doing a yeah. lot of
1: work, a lot of voiceover and work. I, and, and I think that... Also, I think that the idea is that, um, you know, if somebody said at the very beginning of my career, oh, Michael, by the way, you're going to do 11 years on, on, a, on a TV show yeah. and five movies, and you're going to make a living at, you know, conventions for the rest of your life. Yeah. I'd go that's not bad. (laughs) You know, and if people say, oh, it's too bad you're not in the next, I'm like, no, (laughs) no, no, it's not too bad. This is, you know, this has been great. Well,
0: I mean, you can see the love of, I mean, there are always so many people dressed as Klingons, Mm -hmm. and, you know, it takes a village to raise the Klingons, but the Klingon first and foremost in everyone's heart is the one that you played for 11 years. I think
1: so. I like to think Uh, a good friend of mine who happens to be Chris Pine's dad, Oh uh, right! <laughs> definitely, he and I are, de- are dear friends, and, uh. and he said, he said that um, we were. I was complaining about something, which I kind of do at times. And he goes, "Michael, you know, you gotta, you gotta think about who you complain to sometimes, you know, because what other actor has had the the opportunity yeah. to create an icon that's sure. going to be around for sure."
0: Well, Chris Pine's that Robert is his name, right? Yeah, he's a great example. He he is a successful working actor. Um, you know, he's he's made a career, but he has not sunk his teeth into something that people are constantly thinking yep. about. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, but but but, and that's
1: you, that's that's you know. one of the things that you have to. And I do. I mean, I, it's there are times when I and I'm very good about it now. Mm -hmm. before like 10 years ago or 15 when i was talking to them talking to him i was a little more like god i really want to do this i really you know but i don't do that anymore not at all that once we had that discussion i said You know, you're right about that.
0: I think I better keep my big yap shut. Awesome. Well, listen, I don't want to, I want to let you go back into the room because there are some fans that are waiting to, to greet you again, and they've got some things that maybe they would get your John Hancock on. So thanks again so much for coming on Engage, the official Star Trek podcast, and we'll see you in New York at the convention there, right? New York, yeah, you bet. We'll, we'll see you
1: there. Okay, Okay, take care. Thanks a lot. Yep.
2: A new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Welcome back to Engage, the official Star Trek podcast with your host, Jordan Hoffman. You are,
1: after all, irrational.
0: All right, and we're back on Engage, the official Star Trek podcast, and we have a guest that's a long time in the making, Uh, Sarah Gatos is the, what is your official title?
2: I am now group editor of the Star Trek, uh, books at IDW Publishing and many other books as well.
0: Awesome. And, uh, for those that are not reading Star Trek comics right now, what's wrong with you? You Seriously. (laughs) You need to be, uh, there have always been Star Trek comics since, since the Mm -hmm. very beginning. And many of these Star Trek comics were good. Mm -hmm. Many of them were not so hot. Uh, but all of them were made with love, uh, I'm sure. All of them were made with love, but when IDW, which is uh, got the license because it had been originally with Gold Key, and then it was over at Marvel, and then DC, and then Wildstorm, and blah blah blah, but uh, IDW got the 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 um, the license in
2: about ten years ago. About I would ten say.
0: years ago, and I can state unequivocally that it is the best run of Star Trek comics in the fifty years. Thank you. Without question, um, Thank you. it is the most true to the show, the most consistently entertaining, and um, it's also going in many, many directions. That's part of what I want to talk about, are the so many things that are happening. So um, in the last year, uh, and this was something that made quite a bit of news, was uh, the hand-painted five-issue comic of taking of Harlan Ellison's original script of City of the Edge of Forever and doing that. Because Mm -hmm. Harlan Ellison, very talented, great writer, was always never too keen on the ultimate compromise that ended up on screen and uh, had, had made statements about that over the years. And it was like, hey, you know what, Harlan? It's never going to get shot, but you can make it a comic. Mm-hmm. And it's terrific. And that was a huge bestseller, right?
2: Yeah, it's one of our perennial bestsellers. And um, this week at the convention, when people come up and they want to read something new, it's so easy to sell them that. The Art is Beautiful by J.K. Woodward. Um, and it's just, it's a wonderful book. Um, for I would even say for people who aren't that experienced with reading comics it's still something you can dive into and really enjoy
0: yeah yeah it definitely uh, exploits the uh, the aspects of uh, sequential art as we like to say Indeed. In, in ways that are unique and extraordinary and can get somebody into comics that, doesn't nor- normally uh, read them. Um, additionally, there have been some great crossovers. There was a Doctor Who crossover. Mm-hmm. There was a Legion of Superheroes crossover.
2: Star Trek Green Lantern.
0: They, I was building to that yes, one, the Star best Trek,
2: one. Don't forget Star Trek Planet of the Apes.
0: Yeah, that's your favorite is Planet of the Apes, right? It's
2: really ridiculous. So it's original series, Planet of the Apes, and the writers, um, Scott Tipton and David Tipton, were able to find this tiny bit of time where this ridiculous, crazy, over-the-top adventure could take place, and it totally works. Um, Like I say about crossovers, you don't want the entire book just to be about how these people are in the same place at the same time. There actually has to be a story. Um, And this one, they knocked it out of the park uh, with um, art by Rachel Stott, and that was her first book, actually.
0: Wow. And... um and then, of course, there was the Green Lantern book from last year, mm-hmm. which is now, there's going to be a second edition, second yeah. volume next year, right? Totally, Starting totally. next year. Same yeah. writer, Mark, Mark Johnson. Uh, Mike Johnson. And Mike Johnson, uh-huh. Johnson me.
2: And same artist, Angel Hernandez. Um, so basically, the fan response to it was off the hook. And I think what it did is it brought um, some DC fans over that maybe didn't really know the Star Trek comics world. Um, and then the way that Mike set it up, he basically set up this integrated world where now there are lanterns in Starfleet. Yeah. So where are we going to go with that? You'll, you'll have to wait and well, Hal see. Hal
0: Jordan and, and that one was in the Kelvin timeline. So Hal mm-hmm. Jordan and Chris Pine uh, Kirk get along very well. And Not
2: at first. Well, I mean, I just meant visually. I just <laughs> yes, meant as a visual yes.
0: representation. And then um, from Planet of the Apes, it was prime timeline, so it was Shatner Kirk and Charlton Heston. Yep. Can't beat that. And
2: I think it, it might have been one of the first Charlton Heston-approved books, so we got approval from his estate to use his likeness. Is that right? Oh, um, really and his cool. estate was really stoked on it, so it was a really good experience.
0: Yeah. And um, uh, before we get to sort of the main comic, we're still talking about sort of the... The, uh, I guess you want to call them like the side projects yeah. in a way. Yes. Uh, there also is the comics legend, John Byrne. I mean, to throw the word legend around, mm-hmm. John Byrne has been in, working in comics for um, forever. And, uh, you know, Fantastic Four, Superman. I mean, really made the Superman we love mm-hmm. is, is him. And um, uh, is a huge Star Trek fan. Yeah, massive. And he uh, dipped his toe into Trek with IDW, with a lot of, uh, mini series there was one that was called star Trek crew. And it was mm-hmm. all about number one from the cage, uh, that, uh, major Barrett played. And it was about her adventures through mm-hmm. the Federation and how she rose in the ranks. Uh, there was a, a, a mini series, a couple of mini series about the Romulans. Yeah. Um, it started as correct me if I'm wrong. It was the story of the guy who was in, um, uh, uh, balance of Terror mm-hmm. and it was his backstory and then his story back on Romulus like it was his right? you know the, the guy who sent him on the mission what happened after he ran afoul of Kirk and that lasted longer than expected right? Right,
2: right. So basically um, my boss Chris Ryle edited these books before I got to the company and I think what happened was um, they just had a relationship um, from before And he kind of talked him into just playing around with it and doing some samples, and then they did a one-shot, and then he was like, you know, that was a lot of fun. Let me do another one, and then another one, and then another one. So now we have this beautiful, you know, giant 500-page collection of the traditional line art comics that Mr. Byrne has done for us in addition to the photo novels.
0: Yeah. Well, I was getting to that. So back in the day, back in the 60s, and, and well, it was in the 70s when it started, there was a thing, and it was a little bit of a financial boondoggle. It didn't work out so well, but there were these photo novels. For think of a time when there was no VCRs, mm-hmm. so you could not watch Star Trek on demand. Something that is anathema to us now. Now I in the age, I don't understand. In the age of Netflix and more importantly CBS All Access, mm-hmm. we have access to uh, all Star Trek at all times. But and in an earlier episode of Engage, when I spoke with uh, my colleague uh, Bill Ibire, who grew up in Turkey. His first interaction with Star Trek was with a photo novel. Oh, and he didn't, cool. even, he didn't even read English at the time. Oh, that's so cool. he figured it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, what it was was it was basically st- screenshots, we would say mm-hmm. today, with text. So John Byrne, who loved these uh, before, said, I want to play around with this, but in a new way. So what he's done, and correct me if I'm wrong, because mm-hmm. it's very unique and a little strange at first, <laughs> he's taken screenshots of the show, TOS exclusively, mm-hmm. And he's manipulating them in Photoshop, so he's not yep. drawing, he's not illustrating. That's correct. And then creating new text based mm-hmm. on these images. Yep, entirely new stories. Um, and they're from the whole, all, so it's, it's like reaction shots. If it's like, I want a reaction shot of Chekhov looking shocked, he's like, oh, because he's, he's such a star He's like, oh, I know that there's a shot from Spectre in the gun. Uh, a Spectre of the Gun where Chekhov is making a face. I want to use that face. So right. he pluck it from
2: that. And he might use the eyes from one and the mouth from another. Oh, and, God. you know, he might stick that head on a different body and then have to change the color of the shirt or the uniform. Um, so, yeah, that's a level of dedication that I think <laughs> we all have to bow down to. Um, but he apparently he says it's the most fun he's had maybe ever. Um, so he's really enjoying it. And, and the thing that I love is that people have been coming up to our table here at the convention. And they're not necessarily comic fans, but they love this. So it's kind of like, you know, like the first one free kind of drug pusher thing. Right. Where it's like, <laughs> if you like this, try all these other comics. Yeah. So, so,
0: and they're called new, they're, new Visions. The New Visions. The yes. New Visions and they must be incredibly time consuming to do
2: he uh, he was just saying today that a page takes him just about a day which for him is how long a page of art would take him
0: oh yeah. Okay, well, Which then is I guess crazy. it's not so bad. I think
2: he's just crazy fast.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and I, don't, I mean, how is he even getting these? Like, what what's his secrets? Or do we not know And we...
2: I don't know if he has um, DVDs that he can rip from, if they're high-res enough. You know, like, sometimes, when I'm looking for reference, there's a million sites out there that yeah. do high-quality caps. Trek-core, yeah. yeah,
0: big ups or, to TrekCore. We love yeah, TrekCore. Yeah, so
2: um, that's really helpful. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Wow, it's incredible. Okay, cool. So now that we've talked about the myriad of ancillary Trek comics that are happening with IDW. There's also the main event, yes, which is the, it's about to have the 60th issue mm-hmm. of the ongoing series. The 60th, which is also going to be, I don't want to say the end, but you're going to cap it at 60 and, and start it. And it's basically Kelvin timeline. Mm-hmm. And it started out as just playing around with uh, the characters we love from the movies. And there were some prequel stuff. Uh, we want the book that was called Countdown that was really nifty. Um, But it has become a great interplay with the uh, characters as we know them in the Kelvin films. So much so that, if I'm not mistaken, Keenzer, the lovable little green dude that Deep Roy plays, he got his name Keenzer in the comics.
2: The wee bastard, is that what he's called? Yeah, the wee bastard.
0: (laughs) But he got his name Keenzer from the comics and then... They ended up in the third movie. They're calling him Keenzer all day long. Yeah.
2: And, and so much Keenzer in the third movie. I was so happy. So happy. <laughs>
0: there is an issue where it's Keenzer's backstory. Yes. Um, and you get to, if you want to know more about him. And he, I do. He has his own comic. I forget the number. Let's just, I think it's.
2: Uh, It's fairly early in the run. I would say it's before issue 20.
0: Okay. So it's before issue. So let's just say issue 17 or so, and you can look it up. There's also other cool characters that got backstory like cupcake.
2: Cupcake? Cupcake yep.
0: has a backstory issue also.
2: And um oh my gosh, I'm blanking on his name, O seven eight one.
0: Yes, no, O seven one eight. Thank you. Science Officer 0718, mm-hmm. who is the and I talked to Simon Pegg about this on the show mm-hmm. and I said, I said, Simon, I love the new movie, but why wasn't Science Officer Zero Seven One Eight? He's like, we wanted to put him in there, but it was a totally a practical issue because the uh. dude who played him Mm-hmm. Lived in LA, and mm-hmm. they were shooting in Canada, and you would think that they could make that happen. Yeah, but
2: he was so great. We even yeah. have we we try and keep him in quite a bit. Um, and he
0: talks with this cyborg yes. voice. Yes,
2: and we even have him. We did a recent kind of mirror mirror JJ track, and we have him in there, but he has red eyes instead of blue. And this is just,
0: issues fifty nine and sixty, right? Uh,
2: that is earlier than fifty nine and oh, sixty. Okay. Um, I'm completely blanking on which issues those were, but. Um, Yes, that one was a lot of fun. Issues 59 and 60 are fun. It's it's a way to get the OST and JJ crew together um, with a little bit of a spin, and I don't want to give too much of it away, but basically, you know, some timey-wimey stuff happens. Um, <laughs> and what's happening is they're transferring bodies. Ooh. So, you know, I might be sitting on the bridge of the stretch uh, on the Enterprise, I wish, Um in the Kelvin timeline, and I see Chris Pine, but inside his mind is Shatner. Oh. Um, and that just keeps happening, and they can't figure out why. Um,
0: and they're awa- so they become aware of this other yes. timeline. That's heavy stuff, man. I love yeah. it. Um, and uh, it, 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 the thing with Science Officer 0718, I believe he was the consciousness of the computer.
2: Yes. At one point. Yes. And then he
0: formed into that. Yep, muscular, bald.
2: <laughs> yeah, so we basically did the origin of that character yeah. in the comic, which was a lot of fun.
0: Right, right, right. So, and
2: that's the kind of things that we can do in comics, you know. Obviously, flesh
0: out. And there was another yep. character in Star Trek Into Darkness who was um, the kind of uh, the, the 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 punky girl with the anime haircut named mm-hmm. J- Jana, right? Jana or Jara?
2: Zara? Zara, Zara, Zara. Yeah.
0: Excuse me. And Zara is kind of like a Lieutenant Yard type. She's mm-hmm. like a badass, feisty, very. And when they go on away missions, she's like ready to fight. Oh, yeah. And Kirk is like, sorry, take it easy. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Because I kind of love that upstairs, downstairs stuff of like, I want to know about the guy who's in the background a lot. Like, oh, yeah. I love the heroes, but I always, when I watched Trek, I was always like, I could be that person in the back. (laughs) Like, Cleaning the crew. I don't you, know.
0: You must love the TNG episode, the lower decks. Yes. Then, right? That yeah. kind of stuff. That so, is probably yeah. But
2: that's the kind of stuff you can do in comics that makes it so wonderful that you can't do on a two-hour movie or even right. an hour TV right. show. Um these yeah, no, weird, it, quirky deep dives.
0: Yeah, to get to get a whole to get a whole backstory on Keenzer, who everybody loves mm-hmm. and and other things about, you know, Kirk Spock Bones' relationship and Spock's relationship with A'Hora and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So there are out the point is there are sixty issues and there are of course Packaged into lovely trade paperbacks oh, yes. and even special edition hardcover. And blah, available blah, blah, blah.
2: digitally as well.
0: Yeah, you can put it on your iPad. So mm-hmm. so get get off your rear ends and start buying some IDW yeah. comics. Um, and so let's talk about the future, though. hmm um, oh, we left off also um, Starfleet Academy, which is another oh, short Starfleet, one. Starfleet,
2: one very near and dear to my five heart. issues, right? Uh, five or six, yeah. I'm so,
0: and you mentioned in the panel that it was like a young adult, and it says it's good for eight-year-olds, and I'm like, yeah, it I, was. I thought it was well, for me. I,
2: I love, <laughs> I love young adult or all ages material. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I wanted something that people could share with their kids or their nieces or nephews, or if they're librarians, you know, if they love Trek, but maybe the, these kids are not as familiar. This is kind of a weigh-in, because um, I always wanted to go to Starfleet, and so it's kind of the backstory of when Kirk and Uhura were still in Starfleet immediately before the 2009 film, um, but then it also introduces a completely new crew of cadets, and it's basically the stories of heroes, but they're not quite there yet. They're still working some stuff out. They're still figuring out how to operate in this world, and... Um, And that went on for uh, one trade, but we're going to bring them back in lots of different ways.
0: It's really and it's very funny. There's this alien named Chev. Where's (laughs) Chev from again? He's uh, he's blue and has lots of arms. And uh...
2: Chev is Chev the Andorian.
0: No, yeah, that's right. Chevy. Who was the, the guy who just says... Um, Vel. Vel, excuse me. I'm so embarrassed. Vel is,
2: Vel. The, Vel is the alien whose name starts with an M that I cannot pronounce. Okay,
0: yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, someone out there will know what I'm talking but about.
0: But Vel is Vel is a guy who, like, if he's dancing, he will say, I am dancing. Yes, you know? <laughs> he
2: just kind of is only able to emote what he's doing. No, he was great. And and that was written by uh, Mike Johnson and um, Ryan Parrott with Art by Derek Charm. And Derek, um, who you may know from being in this the traveling 50th anniversary gallery show, um, does a wonderful kind of animated style. Yeah. Uh, so it's something that's really different, but... Um I like to be able to put books out there that are good for everyone.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um,
2: you know, maybe if you're into Klingons, you might pick up Manifest Destiny, which was our recent um, miniseries. Um, if you're into uh, older stuff, we've got like gold key collections that are just beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's the nice thing and you about
0: you did a, a couple, maybe like two years ago, you did a, a, an issue where uh, it was Gender Switch. Yep. You had Jane T. Kirk.
2: Jane Kirk. I loved her. Yeah. I'd love to bring her back. <laughs> um, but then Uhuro as well. Yeah. Because you got to do a full gender yeah, no, swap. It was so. great. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. And, and so Starfleet Academy is really fun. And uh, the lead is great. She's a, a young, uh, she's Vulcan. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's, and but it's Kelvin Universe. So she's one of the last remaining Vulcans. Yep. So she feels like an outsider. So I think it's very good for kids who are, you know, maybe feel like, oh, you know, that awkward teen who doesn't quite fit in and is like, you know, read this comic book and it will make you feel better, yeah. you know, yeah. it's really nifty. So, um, but going for, but what I love about you is that you're, you, you, I think of, you're like Admiral Necheyev of the comics is what you are.
2: Thank you. Because
0: you, you've you got like 17 different flagships flying at once and you're kind of like. Uh,
2: yes, th- this <laughs> is why I drink. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, so, in addition to all this, so we're rebooting the ongoing Star Trek. Well, maybe reboot is not the right word because everybody hates a reboot. You yeah. know everything is still intact in the timeline. We're not redoing anything. What we're doing is starting over with a new number one called Star, Star Trek Boldly Go. And it was just a nice time to refresh the line, and that'll start in um, October with Mike Johnson and Tony Shastine, which is yeah. our Uber team. On the ongoing Star Trek book, and that'll be a monthly ongoing book yeah. as well.
0: and I asked you before there will be some Jayla in this.
2: Yes. Can you confirm
0: and deny? All right, there is. Even I can some confirm,
2: jail. and hopefully more as things go on.
0: Yeah. Have you decided what you're going to be doing with uh, Chekhov?
2: He is in issue number one. We're not quite sure how to handle it, quite frankly, and we're just going to kind of take some time.
0: Yeah.
2: Um. You know, it's such a horrible tragedy. We want to make sure that we're being sensitive, but at the same time, leaving him out just felt wrong. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we'll play it by ear.
0: Okay. No, I yeah. think it's a good call. I mean, the character is the character, yeah. you know, but it is Anton Yelchin's likeness. So. Yes. Well, I mean, very recently in the ongoing run, I think it was uh, 55 through 58, sort of dealt in a way with the death of Leonard Nimoy. Exactly. Because it was Prime Universe Spock and it was his... Um, I don't want to spoil it, but it's not. It's. It's. I don't even want to say final mission, but it was like, what is Spock doing right. now that he's retired? Yeah. Let's put it that yeah. way.
2: Yeah, and how is he helping New Vulcan? Yeah, and it was kind of a nice way. Mike Johnson framed it in such a lovely way that it, he was able to reflect on yeah. his adventures. Um, sobbing as, on the
0: subway as I read it, just sobbing He,
2: he really went for it He <laughs> yeah. really went for the jugular And then Tony did these beautiful pages And it, it's just amazing I'm incredibly proud of the work we're doing on that book so. Cool,
0: so um, issue 60 Then transforms into Boldly Go 1 Yes um, Then there's also, because at the panel yesterday Somebody said, excuse me um, We have some great stuff with, uh, with The TOS characters and the Kelvin characters But there's so much Star Trek When are we going to see those guys again? And you said, I have the answer. It's something called Star Trek Waypoint, Yes, yes. which I, are a bunch of one-shots, or are there are a bunch of...
2: So, Waypoint is, is an anthology book, um, and it is my answer to why isn't there a Voyager ongoing and a right. TNG ongoing. Like, frankly, our poor comic retailers just don't have enough space to do yeah. that. Um, so, I wanted to find a way to kind of play around with it. And so, Waypoint is a book that comes out every other month, and each issue will have at least two... Um, stories from all the different tracks except for Kelvin, because we're well, well represented with Kelvin. Right. So, right. issue number one has a TNG story um, starring Captain Geordie and Data. What? Yes. <laughs> so, these are these are not, these are a little bit, I wouldn't say out of canon, but we're kind of playing around with things a little bit more. Right, um, Going a little bit wild. And then it has a beautiful, and that one's by Donnie Cates and Mac Chatter, and then a beautiful. Uh, TOS story starring Ahura by Sandra Lanz, okay. and issue number two we just announced has a gold key. I mean we're going deep here. Yeah, uh, yeah. flaming nacelles, the whole nine yards by Dayton Ward and Kevin Dillmore. Oh, art. I
0: didn't know it was them. Mm-hmm. That's the best. Those, yeah, those guys would go bananas for that. But yeah. They're completely
2: going bananas uh, with art by Gordon Purcell. Um, so and they're really leaning hard into it and having a lot of fun. So
0: what? It. So for people who are listening that may not know what you mean by Gold Key, Gold Key was the first license to get Star Trek comics, and they were doing it. In some cases, were they not were they not working on them before the shows even aired?
2: They well, especially the artists were in Italy and had right. never seen the show, and of course, you know, pre-internet, you can't just search rough. Right. Um, so they made a valiant attempt, yeah. But there are a lot of incredibly incorrect things, like I think issue number one. Um, the final solution is that Spock decides to basically obliterate an entire planet <laughs> and kill all the beings yeah. on there. It's, like,
0: it's not Star Trek. It's some other thing that vaguely resembles Star Trek, but it's, it's still
2: so fun and yeah. it, it does quickly catch up. Um, it does quickly catch up in terms of making sense and being a lot more on brand. Um, but it's, it's a lot of fun, but I, I love that CBS allows us to do a funny 10 page gold key story Um,
0: that's the power of John Van Sitters right he gets
2: Risa Kessler yes
0: they they get it and they uh, know that fans will know what's going on with this and have a good time and not get confused
2: yeah so it's a nice way to in the 50th year to celebrate you know the 50 years of Star Trek comics that have come before too because they have literally been around since day one
0: right so cool so coming out we got Waypoint we got Boldly Go we got more of John Byrne's new visions we got Green Lantern 2, and you mentioned on the panel that likely there will be another crossover with another well-beloved franchise. The ink is not dry on the contract. We're still keeping our fingers crossed.
2: There's a lot of really exciting stuff coming up in 2017. Uh, It is just such a good time to be a Trek fan right now, and we're definitely pushing that in the world of comics as well.
0: Yeah, and more Starfleet Academy also.
2: We'll make that happen. Okay. You, you may see them in an upcoming comic. Oh,
0: okay, cool. So let me ask you, as the admiral of um, Star Trek comics, when you come to conventions and when you just, you know, open your inbox and, and people, what are what are some of the unexpected reactions you've been getting from readers?
2: I don't know about unexpected. What I do love is how incredibly um, happy and grateful and complimentary people are here. Um for for folks that have been to other comic book conventions, things can get a little crazy. It's one hundred um, and fifty st- thousand people, and at Star Trek conventions, people come up and they thank you for all the hard work you're doing, and yeah. they thank you for being on panels, and they tell you how much they love the books, um, and that feels incredibly good yeah. and makes all the hard work worth it. Well,
0: well I mean, it, it, when you say hard work, I mean it's very to do to do your job and to do and your co your colleagues. This is not nine to five stuff. This is
2: right. Hard. Yeah. This is monthly comics. Monthly comics yeah. are a, they're very very hard, and um, you know I'm there trying to keep people in line. But it's the artists and the writers that really, yeah, especially the artists. They're expected to do um, 20 pages a month, and there's only 30 days in a month, <laughs> so. Right. Yes, that is why they drink as well. Putting
0: out a lot of fires. And yeah. although these lines, the, the, the comics do sell well, I mean, if they wouldn't, they would, there wouldn't be so many Star Trek lines, it's, it's, not, it's not the new Batman, it's not the new no. Amazing Spider-Man. No. Um, and the price point is, is modest. Um, nobody's, nobody's becoming a millionaire making Star Trek comics.
2: Absolutely not. But our numbers are rock solid, which I think reflects, um, the dedication of these fans, uh, which we really appreciate. But yeah, for especially the amount of time that people put into these things, um, it's, it's a challenge, but we love what we do. Yeah. So, So cool.
0: So get, if you, if you've been on the fence, get on it. And if you, um, you know, and you can get them on, um, if they're a little bit older, you can download them on Comicsology, whatever, mm-hmm. and it's less expensive. There's even an IDW app.
2: Mm-hmm. And um, also there's a website, I think it's just called Comic comicshoplocator.com, yeah. um, that can connect you with the retailer. And many of these you can find on Amazon, yeah. stuff like that. And
0: if you're, if your local comic shop doesn't carry it,
2: they can order it for yeah, you. Yeah, they'll
0: order for and yell at them and say, "What the heck, man! Yeah, this is so much seriously. better than usual garbage." It's really good. <laughs> and you don't just do Star Trek. You you have a whole other. I do a lot of. What stuff. are some of the other lines that you do? At, uh, uh,
2: currently, I edit a Disney line, um, a Powerpuff book, and oh, my awesome. new job title has me editing Transformers and Gem and some other Hasbro properties. So awesome. I'm a busy lady.
0: Gem, we're the misfits. Yeah. Uh, Transformers comics, huh? Yep. <sighs> I don't know. I couldn't, I don't know. It's a, they, it's
2: very different. It's very yeah, different. It's, I don't
0: know, man. I can't get into Transformers. But when I was a little kid, I, I watched the show because it was, it was what was on.
2: Mm-hmm. It's more of a
0: He-Man kind of guy. I don't, mean, I, I, mean, I was
2: also into He-Man. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. For me, it's the lore is so deep, and, yeah. and specifically in another testament to IDW, the IDW Transformers world is just incredibly deep and detailed. Yeah. Um, and there so are a lot of crossovers
0: great. with G.I. Joe on mm-hmm. there, also, right? Mm-hmm. All right. So
2: get ready for the inevitable Star Trek Transformers crossover, what? right? What? Oh, my God. Having the Enterprise transform into a robot? Come on, no.
0: right? No. Are, are you breaking news? I'm not breaking us? news. Oh, my this God. This is something
2: that I will make happen at some point. With the, what would be, what would happen?
0: So I guess opt- Optimus Prime and Captain Kirk would have to like take a walk around the block and talk it about it. It would be
2: stuff. a very odd walk when you consider this size difference. Would Optimus the size Prime but...
0: in would he or would he want to hang out with Spock? No, he's a leader and Kirk is yeah. a leader. So yeah. Optimus Prime, who would be the guy hanging oh, out geez. with Spock? Is it Soundwave? No, Soundwave is evil. Yeah, I don't know evil. as much about the Transformers as I should.
2: Uh, Soundwave the, is cool though. Who's the second in command?
0: Well, well Scotty and Bumblebee would be. Yeah.
2: Guys. Scotty and Bumblebee that makes more sense to me but I don't know if there's a Spock equivalent. Some Transformers fan is like, there's 10, and I just don't know them. But
0: <laughs> Who is the second but, in command? For what? And then the bad guys, obviously. Mm-hmm. You know, that Megatron, Megacon. Mm-hmm. Whoa.
2: Interesting. <laughs> See, the possibilities are endless. With oh, crossovers. my God, it's
0: exciting. Well, yeah. listen, Sarah, I want to thank you again uh, for the hard work you do and for coming on the show. And um, uh, we are planning uh, to also speak to some of the Arta J.K., uh, and I have been exchanging emails. We're going to get him on Good. because he is the guy making some really beautiful stuff with you guys. Good. and also get Mike, Mike on there. Yeah, Mike is a hoot. Um, I met him last year, and I said to him like an obnoxious reader, I'm like rawr, rawr, rawr. so. He he, you know, the Star Trek Green Lantern book was already done, but I'm like, if you ever do number two. I think a Gorn should hang out with Issamat Cole. He's a lizard man. And he lives on Thanagar. Need and, to remind him. Of oh, this. I've like I've he tweeted him that five times. He's like, "Cool, man, thanks." And he's like, "Shut up already." <laughs> but if yeah. you know Issamat Cole, he was great. He was you know he survived the Ron Thanagar War, mm-hmm. and uh, he's a, a, a virtuous member of the Green Lantern Corps.
2: We'll get him and Chip in there.
0: Yeah, Chip could hang out mm-hmm. with Keenzer. Yes, um, and Mogo mm-hmm. could hang out with.
2: Mogo's the world.
0: Yeah, Mogo would hang out with Trelane's parents. I, I think guess. we
2: had Mogo in issue number one.
0: Yeah, yeah, Mogo yeah. was in there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. and Aresia could hang out with Jayla. The Jayla,
2: possibilities. Jayla are could endless.
0: be. Um,
2: I love Jayla, so Arisa's we'll just put in Jayla in everything. At this
0: yeah, time. I really hope that we get to see a lot more Jayla. I want she likes the booms and the shoutings, yes. and um, we like her. So yes. um, Jayla has been a great new addition to star trek so cool all right well thanks again and we'll talk to you again soon thank you all right thank you for listening everybody to another episode of engage the official star trek podcast i'm your host jordan hoffman feel free to tweet at me at jay hoffman contact me via other methods send a raven do what you got to do and we will speak to you again next time live long and prosper